for what did you come? Did you come for Jesus? Did you come for His presence? Why are you here in this building? What was your motivation to come to church? For He is worthy. He is worthy. Cry out to Him because He is worthy. He chose to walk the brow of Calvary so that He could save your life. He chose to walk the corridors of hell to take your captivity captive. He is worthy because He died for you and He bought your life with His own blood. He is worthy. He is worthy to cry out. He is worthy. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. If you came for a five-point sermon, you're going to be disappointed. I hope that you have come for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. For Him alone is worthy. Cry out to Him. For He is worthy. Jesus, You are worthy. I came for You and for nothing else. If You are not going to pitch up, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to be disappointed if You do not touch me. I'm going to be disappointed if You do not change me. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, I cannot live without You. Jesus, I cannot live without you. I came for the word that will be preached so that I can be healed. You will send your word to heal me. You will bind up my wounds. I have come for you. I have come for you and for you alone. I have come for no preaching. I have come for no man. But I have come for the answer to my questions. I have come for the answer to what bounds me. I have come for freedom in this day. Jesus. I have come that you will set me free from everything that is keeping me back. I have come that you will take everything, everything from me. I have come to surrender to the King. I have come that you will take my familiarity away. me alight once again. I have come that you will give me a passion. I have come that you will set me alight once again. For where my whole heart has grown cold, when I walked into this place and I thought that I've heard this, I have seen this already. That I know that anointing that's on the on, on this pulpit. I know the anointing that's on this church. If I've ever said that in my heart, if I ever disrespected the anointing on this pulpit, I have come that you will wash me clean once again. If I ever disrespected the anointing in this house, if I ever thought that I'm going to go to another church so that I can get something, if I've ever grown cold, they cry out on a Monday worthy and they cry out on the Tuesday worthy and they cry out on a Wednesday worthy and they cry out on a Thursday worthy worthy and they cry out on a Friday worthy worthy is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and they cry out every second of every day worthy is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and still I will not lift my voice to the King of Kings For Him alone is worthy, 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 worthy. 
Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. It is imperative. It is imperative that you understand from the onset of my discourse with you tonight that I have not come to preach to everyone tonight. That I have come to preach to a people that says that I am desperate for a change. That I am desperate to meet the King. For a people that says that I cannot wait to be in church so that the word that's going to be preached will change me. Because the Bible says that He has seen the word and the word is the one that healed me. I need you to understand that I am not delusional about the assignment that is upon my life. I, I know that I have not been called to tell you what you want to hear. But I have been called to tell you that it is time that we stand up. It is time that we stand up. It is time that we stand up. I want to say that again. It is time that we stand up. It is time that we put all the things that brings us offense, that we take offense for. I, it is time that we lay that aside. Because I want to tell you now that I am appointed by God. And the preachers on this pulpit and prophet has been appointed by God. He has not been appointed to stand at the door and greet you. I want to ask you, have you written his KPIs? But people take offense when the preacher that's on the pulpit do not, do not greet them. But I want to ask you, am I employed by you? Am I employed by you? Is prophet employed by you? I want to ask you, why have you come? I want to ask you again, why have you come? I want to preach to your people. I want to preach to your people that says that I am hungry for a change. I am hungry for a change. The Bible says that you have to stir up the fire that is inside of you that was given to you while uh, the preacher laid hands on you. It is your responsibility. It is your responsibility. I want to preach to a people that says that I am willing to stir up the flame inside of me again. I want to preach to a people tonight that said that I came for the word to, be to change me. For the word to change me. I didn't come for someone to greet me at the door. I have come for Jesus Christ and for the word of God to change me. For I have not come to take offense. But I have come that the word will change me. You have to understand that the kingdom of God is imposed. It's not invited. For the Bible says that from the time of John the Baptist up until now. Up until now. Up until now. Up until when? Up until now. From the time of John the Baptist up until now, the kingdom is taken by violence. The violent will take it by force. I am not here to invite you, to please and beg you to serve Jesus Christ. I am not here to invite you and ask you, will you accept Jesus Christ into your heart? I am here to take back every lie over your life. I am here to take back every lie over your life. I am back to destroy every lie that the devil has told you. Every lie that the devil has told you. I want to say that again. Every lie that the devil has told you. It is time that the Christians stand up. Why do I need to beg you to come? Oh, please accept Jesus Christ into your life. Please, will you do that? I want to tell you that the kingdom of God is imposed. It's not invited. You don't have to invite the Christians. You don't have to invite the Christians into this region. Because we have been called. We know what our KPIs are. And we are here to invade the city. We are here to take back the city. We are here to take back your wife, your husband, your children, your family. But we are still sitting at home wondering, must I go to church or mustn't I go to church? 
from the time of John the Baptist up until now. I want to say that again. From the time of John the Baptist up until now. What does that mean? Up until now. Up until now. Up until this moment. Up until this moment. Up until this moment. God says that I need a people that says that the fire of God is so inside of my bones that I will not keep quiet. That I will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. For I know why I've been called and I know why the anointing is upon my life. Do we have people that know why they have been called? Do you know why you have been called? Encounter Church, I'm going to ask you again. Do you know why you have been called? Do you know why the anointing should come upon your life? The anointing will only come upon your life so that you can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the poor. So that you can go out and heal the brokenhearted. Are you ready to preach the gospel to the poor? Are you ready to bind up their wounds? Encounter Church, do you know why you were anointed? Why you are anointed? Do you know why you have been called? I hope that we have a people that says that I am so desperate for Jesus Christ. I am so desperate to let go of my offense. I am so desperate to let go of my familiarity. I am so desperate. I am so desperate to let go of my familiarity. But we want to hear a sermon where the preacher lifts our self-image. Where the Bible has said that we should die to ourselves. The Bible said that we should die to ourselves. But all we want is a preacher to lift up our self-image. But it's already something that we should die to. That we should run to the, to the, uh, to the altar and give up. And found ourselves clothed in Jesus Christ. Found ourselves clothed in Him. Find ourselves clothed in Him. Die to ourselves. Are you with me in Counter Church? I want to ask you again, what type of people do we have in this building? Are you hungry for King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Familiarity comes in when we stop celebrating. When we stop celebrating what we have. Because when we stop celebrating, we cannot see. Or when we stop celebrating, we cannot protect. We cannot protect the anointing that is on this platform. Or we st stop celebrating the anointing that God has called and set upon this platform. And that rests upon Prophet Leon de Prier. And if we have stopped celebrating that, when he goes live and we say, Oh, I've seen this, or I am busy. When he brings out a new book or there's a new cause, and we rather buy someone else's material. We're not celebrating the anointing on this house anymore. When we disrespect the people that He has placed in authority, we disrespect Him because we have become familiar, because we might have heard the preacher or the preaching already. I've heard this before. I've heard this before. Oh, can they not stop? Oh, the offering is too long. I've heard this before. But we need to get back to a people that says that I'm going to celebrate the anointing that's upon this house. I'm going to celebrate the anointing that is upon Prophet's life. The anointing that is on Prophetess's life. And when I celebrate it, I protect that anointing. When I celebrate it, I protect that anointing. When I celebrate, I can see. And God says you can only have well for you can see. But when we're familiar, we are cut off. And you know what that causes? That causes the preacher to even feel that they are not called. Because there's no word that can go out from the platform. And the preacher will feel that they are not even called. God, have you called me? I hope that we have a people here tonight that says that I am willing to give my life for a vision, for a cause greater than mine, to serve in this vision, to serve in this vision that believes in this vision. I can only take you as high as what you believe. If I want to change your life, I need to change the person that you're listening to. 
to the words that they speak. Whose words are you listening to? For he said that I send my word, I send my word, I send my word, I send my word. But we are listening to CNN. And those are the words that we believe. Those are the words that we believe. But I need to change the one whose words you believe to be able to change your life. Whose words do you believe? It's dangerous to get familiar. It's dangerous. Come to church, I want to ask you again. Once more, do we have a people on the planet that says that they will give their life, they will give their time, they will give their money, they will give their family everything that God requires up for the upward call of God. For the upward call of God. For the upward call of God. That will run to the pulpit and say, Lord, whatever word you speak tonight, let it change my heart. Let it change my heart that I refuse to walk out of this place. I refuse to walk out of this place. I refuse to walk out of this place without a changed heart. Let the word come and change me. Let the word come and change me. For I have come for the word. Where's the Son of God? And my only desire is that it will change me. Whatever the vessel might be that you use, may it change me. Come to church. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm going to say this again. It is imperative. I'm going to say this once more. It is imperative from the onset of my discourse with you tonight that you know that I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. Can we agree? Can we agree? Can we agree? Just tell your neighbor, the word is going to change me. Just say it again, the word is going to change me. Then tell your neighbor, the word is going to change you. Say it once more, the word is going to change you. All right, you can just take your seat. Job, the mic is crazy good up here, but it's very soft down there. But um, you can work on it as, as we go along. I want to speak tonight about a virtue that we've forgotten. And I know that this is going to change your life. Can you give me 20 minutes, church? Yes. 15, if I can take, speak very fast. But if I speak very fast, I... Then, Mingle ek al my woorde op. Alright, are you with me? Are you ready for the word of God to change you? That's the only reason that we should come to church. Is that I can walk out of this place being changed. Never get familiar, never get familiar. And it does happen, it does happen because we've been going so long in this place. Don't be caught by the devil. Don't be caught by the devil. Don't be caught by the devil because you're going to sit here close off. Familiarity will close you off completely and you won't find any nourishment in this house and you will start looking for it somewhere else. God has called the man of God for this hour, for this dispensation, for a time like this so that he can give you food, so that he can look after you spiritually, so that he can build with you together the kingdom of God. But when you stop celebrating him and the anointing on his life, familiarity will take you out and put you out on the outskirts. It will put you on the outskirts. I want to quickly, and I'm going to be very quick, so don't miss this. 
I want to speak about a, a virtue, a forgotten virtue that will make believers, spiritful believers, likened on ungodliness. So can I have your ear for 15 minutes, church? We know that praise will give us access. And we know that worship will give us access. But I want to speak about something that we have forgotten. I want to speak about thankfulness tonight. And it might not be a three-point sermon, and it might not be a ooh-la-la sermon, but I want to tell you that it's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. I want to say that again. It's going to change your life if you take this to heart and you go and you practice this principle. So when we look at Psalm 100 verse 4, and I'm going to read it for you. It says this. Sure, my order. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. I want you to underline gates. And then it says, and into his courts, underline courts with praise. And then it says, be thankful to him and bless his name. So that verse is telling us that there is no access into his presence without thanksgiving and without praise. So I want you to underline the word thanksgiving and praise. There are two stages into the access to access the presence of God. Number one, it's through his gates. Number two, it's through his courts because the gates will give you access to the courts and the courts will give you access to the presence of God. The gates with thanksgiving and the courts with praise. I'm going to repeat this so many times that when you walk out of this place, that it's going to stick in your brain. We'll have no close access without the prescribed way. Can I say that again? There will be no close access without the prescribed way. Have you ever felt that God is not close? God can hear you. You know God is there and you're standing on the outskirts and you're crying out, but God is not close. Who of you guys have felt like that? You might be on the outskirts, but I'm going to show you how to enter in. You have to understand how we relate to God. And I want to show you that quickly. So thanksgiving, through thanksgiving, we acknowledge the greatness of God. Or let me say it like this. Through thanksgiving, we acknowledge the goodness of God. Through praise, we acknowledge the greatness of God. But through worship, which is the highest activity of the soul, we acknowledge His holiness. Those are the, the I just want to differentiate between the two. And we're going to speak about thanksgiving tonight. So let's go. Hebrews 12 verse 28. Do you have your Bibles here, church? Hebrews 12, 28. And this is what it says. Therefore, New King James Version. It says, therefore, since we are re receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. I want you to underline the word grace. By which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. The NIV version is going to say, let us give thanks. You don't have to put that up. NIV will say, let us give thanks. So the, the Greek word, the key word, the key word there for, 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 thanksgiving, for giving thanks is charis. So if you understand modern Greek, it's uh, the standard modern Greek, thought thank you is going to be ef charisto, which is related to, to grace. Are you with me? Are you with me? There is a direct connection between grace and thanksgiving. I want to say that again. There is a direct connection between grace and thanksgiving. I want to make this, this statement, and I want you to write this down. An unthankful person is a person outside of the grace of God. There is a direct connection between grace and thanksgiving. If you are unthankful or you are not giving, giving thanks unto God, you are falling outside of the grace of God. Let me, let me, let me explain it to you like this. Three, our three love languages, the Romans, uh, 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 Romance languages, that's based in Latin. So uh, it's a direct connection. They understand this. They understand the direct connection. So French, we have the word 
for grace is grace the year. It says thanks to God. It is spelled exactly the same. Italian says gracie, directly related to grace. And then in Spanish it says gracias. And it's exactly the same word, grace. For they understand the connection between grace and thankfulness. If you want to be in the grace of God, I want to say that again. If you want to be in the grace of God, you have to understand thanksgiving. You have to be thankful. The Bible says, and I'm going to give you guys the verse now, but thankfulness is a direct command. It's a direct instruction. If we are not thankful and we are not giving thanks, we are disobedient. What is disobedience? Disobedience is rebellion. And rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. When we are unthankful, we are outside of the grace of God. We cannot separate thankfulness and the grace of God. You have to understand that thankfulness it starts in the will. Problem is, is that we want it to start in the feeling. I cannot wait up until I feel thankful to give God thanks. It starts in the will. I'm going to say that again. It starts in the will. I cannot wait up until something happens. I cannot wait up until something happens. I cannot wait up until I feel thankful. It's a decision that I make. But if I don't give thanks, I also make a decision to step outside of the grace of God. Are you with me? I'm going to give you guys some scriptures. I hope that you're ready for some scriptures. Let's go to 1 Colossians 3 verse 15. And I want you to underline some words. It says here, And let the peace of God rule. I want you to underline that word rule. In your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Full stop. It's a direct command. It's a direct command. And be thankful. I want you to underline that. Let the word of Christ dwell in your richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace, I want you to underline that, in your hearts to the Lord and whatever you do in word and in deed, I need you to underline that, in word and in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This, this verse starts by the word rule. And let the peace of God rule. That word is the word in Greek. It means umpire. Be an umpire in my life. So what it means is that peace is always the highest authority. Faith is not a ruler. If you've ever lived your life by making faith a ruler, you're going to be very disappointed. The Bible doesn't say that faith is a ruler. It says that peace is a ruler. Let peace rule you. If you don't have peace, you don't move. Nothing to do with faith. Some people have made faith a ruler and they have gone out only by faith. But God says clearly that peace is a ruler. And then it says, be thankful. It's a direct command, be thankful. And then it says this, it says, and whatever you do in word and in deed. Now it's covering everything that I say and everything that I do. And it gives me a guideline and it says that if there are anything that you say or that you do and you cannot do this in the name of Jesus Christ, by giving thanks, you shouldn't do it. If you've ever had this question, can I go to, to this party? Can I go here? Can I do this? Can I do that? The Holy Spirit has already given us a guide. This is the last will and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Is His word that He left us. And He said, by this, let peace rule. If you cannot do whatever you do in word and in deed, by the peace of God, do not do it. Because the peace will rule in your life. And if you cannot do it in the name of Jesus Christ, by giving thanks, don't do it. That is the limits that God has given us. Are you with me? I want to say this again. Thanks is not an option. It is essential. It's like the air that you breathe. It is essential. It's like the air that you breathe. Because I don't want to be found outside of the grace of God. 
I don't want to be found outside of the grace of God. I want to say that again. I don't want to be found outside of the grace of God. So God has given us a key to always remain in the grace of God. Give thanks. Full stop. Thessalonians 5 verse 16 and 19, to 19. I don't know which, which one. You can, just, you can just think there by yourself, Stephanie. So it says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. I want you to underline that. In everything give thanks. For this is the, and I want you to underline this, the will of God for your life. And then it says, do not quench the spirit. Paul is saying that there is actually, in essence, nothing wrong with you if you do this, if you give thanks. If you are not giving thanks, he says that you are not in the will of God. For you are in the will of God if you give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you have ever asked, what is the will of God for my life? It is to give thanks. I want to say it again. It is to give thanks for that will cause me to remain in the grace of God. It is to give thanks. And then he says, do not quench the spirit. So if I am not giving thanks, I am quenching the Holy Ghost. You can be in the right calling. You can be in the right church. You can be in the right job. You can have all the riches. You can have all the, uh, the, the money. You can have all the blessing. But if you do not give thanks, you are outside of the will of God. So many people have been in the right job. They've been in the right church. They've had the anointing on their life, but still they said something is amiss. And they say that I do not know what is the will of God for my life. It's because you have stopped giving thanks. And by that you have quenched the Holy Ghost. Once you stop giving thanks, you quench the Holy Ghost. Am I preaching the Word of God here tonight? Is this in the Word of God? Do you believe what I am saying? Can I change whose words do you believe? Can I change whose words do you believe? Do you believe the Word of God? I want to tell you that if you're going to give thanks, you will find yourself in a place of faith. You will find yourself in the will of God and in the grace of God. And you will never have a question if, if I am in the will of God. If you are going to give thanks, you will never be in a place where you're going to quench the Holy Ghost. Ephesians, are you ready? Ephesians 5, 18. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dispensation, uh, dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it gives us the results of being filled with the Holy Ghost. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. And underline, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Being drunk with wine wasn't the point. He is saying this, as wrong as it is, logic, logic, logic will tell us this, it is wrong to be drunk with wine, so equally it is wrong not to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That is what Paul is saying. He's saying that it is wrong to be filled with wine, to be drunk with wine. He says, just as it is wrong to be drunk with wine, so is it wrong not to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But then he says that this is the sign that you are filled with the Holy Ghost. That you will speak to one another in psalms and hymns. That you will give thanks. Always in all things. Always in all things. Always in all things. Because that is the test of faith. That is the test of faith. That you will give thanks in all things. And that we will submit one to another. If you are not giving thanks, I want to ask you, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? I'm going to ask that again. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? If you are not submitting one to another, if you are not singing to one another in psalms and hymns and new songs unto God, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Philippians 4 verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Never bring a request to God without thanksgiving. I want to say that again. Your prayer life has never been, let's, let's say it like this, your prayer life will be transformed by this principle. Because how does it work? I give thanks for the things that I have not yet received because I live by faith and not by what I see. And the moment that I come into His presence by faith, I have pleased God. I want to say that again. Faith pleases God. And the moment that I give thanks for things that I have not yet received, I am in a place of faith. And when I'm in a place of faith, I am in a place that pleases God. Church, are you with me? Because the moment that I give thanks for the things that I don't have, I change my attitude. I change my attitude. I want to say that again. I change my attitude. Because when I make my request known and I give thanks, something inside of me changes. It's not to change God. It's to change me. Because I go from one level of faith to another. I go from glory to glory. I go from grace to grace. Paul is insisting and he's saying that your prayer be accompanied by thanksgiving. It's a command. I'm going to say that again. It's a command. Now you must, might ask me, but why should I give thanks? I don't have anything to give thanks for. Can I give you a word? Scripture? We just read Psalm 100 verse 4. And I, I want you to put that up again. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. And now verse 5 will tell you why. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endures through to all generations. Those are the three things that never changes. It is permanent. It never changes. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. Those three, three things about God never changes. That He is good. That He is good. That He is good. That His mercy is forever. That His mercy is forever. That He is good and His mercy is forever. There is something to praise Him for. Doesn't matter how you feel. Doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You can never say that you don't have anything to praise Him for. For the Lord is good. I want you to tell you that. The Lord is good. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. For His mercies endure forever. His mercies endure forever. May you never say that you don't have anything to thank Him for. For those three things are permanent. It never changes. It never changes. I want to show you the key to miracles, to the supernatural power of God. The supernatural power of God. I'm going to say that again. A key to the supernatural power of God. The problem is that we want to be super spiritual. We want to pray for eight hours or we want to fast for 100 years. But Jesus Christ showed us. He showed us how to access the supernatural power of God. And He's standing and there's a multitude of people. And they don't have food in John 6 verse 11. And they don't have food. And after He has given thanks... The bread multiplied. After he has given thanks, the bread multiplied. After he has given thanks, the bread multiplied. But this made such an impression on John. It made such an impression on him that in verse 23, he mentions it again and he says, However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord has given thanks. For he understood that the miracle came when Jesus Christ gave thanks. John wants you to understand why that miracle took place. John was standing there. He saw it. He brought the bread and he brought the fish. And he didn't know how this is going to happen. And he saw how Jesus Christ gave thanks. And then John goes... And he talks about another miracle, John 11, and he, the greatest miracle that Jesus Christ did. And Jesus Christ is standing at the tomb of Lazarus. And the Bible says that he gives thanks unto the Father and Lazarus raises from the dead. And he comes forth. One of the greatest miracles and only thing that it took 
was giving thanks. The only thing that it took was to give thanks. Multiplication came because of thanks. That miracle wasn't there, but Jesus Christ operated in faith and He already saw. And He took the things that ain't as if they are by faith, but His thanks was already evidence of what God is going to do. His thanks was evidence of the hope that He has, that the Father will hear Him and that He will come through. Giving thanks is the simplest expression of your faith. Ten lepers standing from afar and they cry out to Jesus, but they are not allowed to come near to Him because they are unclean and they have to cry out, unclean, unclean, because of their sickness. It's so contagious that they are not allowed to come near people. When people come near them, they cry out, unclean, unclean, so that they can stay away. But from afar, they see Jesus Christ, and they ask and they beg Him for mercy. And He shouts to them, and He says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Jesus, have mercy. Go and show yourself to the priest. And I want to show you something. One of them comes back, and Jesus asks, and he says, Weren't they ten? Where's the other nine? And this is what Jesus says. So, can I read this to you, church? Jesus says, Your faith has made you well. But in the original Greek, it says, Your faith has saved you. I want you to understand this that this was a Samaritan, it wasn't a Jew. Eternal life through Jesus Christ was not yet there for the Samaritans. And by his thanks, Jesus Christ has healed ten, ten people, but one got eternal life because he came back and Jesus said, and Jesus said that your faith has saved you. Your thanks have saved you. Full stop. Your thanks has saved you. The reason that you give me thanks is because I am good. My mercy endures forever. And that has saved you. That has brought you eternal life. That has made Jesus go outside of time and saved someone whose time was not yet to come. That will move the hand of God. Your thanks has saved you. Church, do you want to be in the grace of God? Do you want to be in the will of God? Do you want to have faith? Do you want to have eternal life? I'm always done. I want to show you the, the flip side of the coin. Can I do that quickly? Are you with me? What does God say about unthankfulness? Opposite word for thankful is murmur or complaining. Philippians 2 verse 14. And it says this. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless. Church, if you give thanks, you are blameless and you are harmless. If you are not giving thanks, you are to blame. If you are complaining, you are to blame. I want to say that again. God has given His Word and He says that He is always good. He says that His mercy endures forever. And He says that He has given you a reason to thank Him. But He says that if you complain, that you are to blame. If you want to be blameless, give thanks. I want to say that again. If you want to be blameless, give thanks. Then it says, children of God without fault in the midst of the crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. 
And then in Jude, Jude 16, he talks four times about ungodliness. And he says this, you don't have to go there. It says, these are murderers. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaks great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of this uh, advantage. Talks about murmuring as a form of ungodliness. The word complainer here in the Greek, I want to give that to you. It says a person that, is, that complains about his lot. What does that mean? A person that complains about his lot. That I am not good enough. I am not sexy enough. I am not beautiful. My legs are too fat. I am too thin. I am too long. Your lot in life. A complainer about your lot in life. I am ugly. Why do I have this job? Why do I have these hair? Why am I so long? Why am I so short? The Bible says that it is ungodly to do that. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 6. I want us to go there quickly. It says, Now these things becomes our examples to the intent that we should not lust over evil things as they also lusted and do not become um, adulterers as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. So Paul is listing five mistakes that the Israelites made that destroyed them. And I want to give that to you. Number one, it says lusting of the evil, idolatry, fornication, tempting the Lord and complaining. Where does he put murmuring? In the same category as fornication. Same category as idolatry. But those who murmured were judged by God. And I want to show you something in the scripture. We call this exemplary judgment. What does that mean? It means judgment that comes upon people that God uses as example for us. Are you still with me? So it doesn't always come and God doesn't always judge like that. Every case is not judged like that. But what he is showing us is attitude towards that sin. So he showed us what he thinks about sexual immorality when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And he showed us his attitude towards it. And he said that I will make an example can I show you some one, uh, 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 example in the New Testament? So this is what God thinks about lying. Ananias and Sapphira comes into the church. And they give money and they lie to Peter. And they drop dead. And God says, this is my attitude towards that sin. This is what I think of it. This is how I will treat it. Are you with me? And then they mur- murmur. In the wilderness. And God sends a serpent. And he says, this is what I will think. This is what I think about it. This is my attitude towards complaining. This is my attitude towards complaining. And thousands of people died. And Paul is saying. That complaining and being unthankful. Is the same as being ungodly. Timothy 3 verse 1 to 5. I'm going to give you one or two verses still. There are 18 moral defects listed that will categorize humanity at the end of the age. And Paul gives this to us. He says, but know this, know this, that in the last days, it's our days. He says, in these last days, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, 
and ungodly, unholy. Unthankfulness is right next to unholiness. Paul is talking about this desperate, hopeless, hopeless condition of humanity. Hopeless condition. In Romans 1.20, he says this. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even this eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So that they are without excuse. Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. So Paul is now telling us why the condition of the human race is in this desperate state. And he lists this desperate state. And then he says, but this is the reason why. The reason why is because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God and neither were thankful. He's talking about Christians. He's talking about people that knew God but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish hearts was darkened. This is at the end of the chapter. And then he lists all these horrible things. And he says that us as a human race is going to fall into this. And I want to give you these things. It says backbiters, haters of God, so proud, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, says, all of this is there because we didn't give thanks. Because we refuse to give thanks. But we think that God owes us something. We think that God owes us something. We think, I want to say that again, we think that God owes us something. If you are going to cease to give thanks, you are starting in a downward plunge into ruins. You will fall out of the will of God. You will be outside the grace of God. You know, every day that I drive and I see a, the sun coming up or I see the sun going down, I stop and I thank God that I've been called for a time like this. I thank God that I can be alive. I thank God every time that I have to serve in this church. I thank God that He has given me the opportunity, whatever it might be. Might it be in the parking? Might it be on the camera? And I will make sure that I'm on time because I am thankful that God has called me or see me worthy to serve in this place. I will be and I will let my, my leaders know that I'm going to be late. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm going to be on time because I am thankful that God has given me the opportunity to serve in this church. What a privilege it is to serve in this church. What a privilege it is to give everything that I have in this church. What a privilege it is to worship in, in this church. I can thank God for everything that I have, for this jacket, for these shoes, for this, for this clothes that's on my, on my body. That I can thank Him even if I have the ability to walk and I don't have a car, but I have still the ability to walk from one place to another. There was a time for two years that I, that I was so sick. But every day that I got up, I thank God that I still had breath in my lungs. I could for one year not have a normal conversation with Pastor Martin. But I thank God every day that I was still alive. And I knew that He had a plan for my life. And I knew that He will come through. And I know that every door that He has opened, no man can shut. Every time that I get into my bathroom, I promise you this by God. I will praise Him for everything that stands in that room. Everything that I have in that room. I don't care how insignificant it is. I thank Him because He is good. Not for what I have, not for my circumstances, but because His mercies endures forever. That means that His mercies will be there for my son, for my children. And I thank Him for that, that He is good, that my son will still be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. But I choose to thank Him. I choose to thank Him. I choose and I make a choice.
to serve in this church. I might not feel like it. I choose to give my life. I choose to come to church and serve. I choose that every day. Every day I say that I want to. What a privilege it is to serve in this ministry. Every day, every day I think to myself, how did it come that God thought it well for me to be here? That I can be connected to this church, that I can be under this anointing. That I have the ability to hear prophet preach from this pulpit in my lifetime. What a privilege it is for me to know that I have a, someone that is an oversight over my life, that prays for me, that knows where I'm going. What a privilege it is. I have no desire to go anywhere else. I want to tell you now that I have no desire to go anywhere else. I want to hear the word that is being preached from this pulpit. And I am thankful. Even if that word is being preached over and over and over and over and it's the same word. I don't care. I am so thankful that I can be in this house. That he has connected me to this place. I am thankful for the clothes that I have on. And I'm thankful that the money that I could give to the parking guy outside. Thank you, Jesus Christ, that I have the ability to do this. Thank you that I could come my hair today. Can, can I tell you one thing? I think this, this might sound very, very horrible. But I want to tell you how, how thankful I am sometimes that I can just go to the toilet and everything is normal. Do you know how bad it is for people that cannot even do that? I promise you that every time that I go to the bathroom, I thank God that I am not on medication, but that He has given me the ability to be normal. But I don't have to wait up until that is a feeling inside of me because I've already made a choice. I've already made a choice. That I am planted here. That I will give my life here. That I will serve this vision. That I'm going to be a Christian that's going to be so hungry for God. And I'm going to take up the fire that God has once placed inside of me. That the gift that He has given me. When prophet laid His hands on me. That gift that was imparted to me. I will make it my daily job. And my assignment to keep it that flame going. That I will keep that flame going. That I will keep that flame going. I want to pray only for a couple of people tonight. I want to pray for everyone, for this is not for everyone. I want to only pray for one or two people. One or two people that says that I have become familiar. I have fallen out of awe. That's what familiarity means. It means that I am outside of awe. That I have more awe when a guest speaker comes. But I'm not in awe when the prophet comes on the stage and he preaches. I'm not in awe anymore. Because I've seen him too many times. And I think that I'm at his level now. I want to pray for people that says that... I want to give thanks and somewhere, somewhere in my life, I have become unthankful. I was driving the other day with someone in the car and I just wanted them to be quiet. So every word that came out of their mouth was unthankfulness. And I was thinking to myself, my God, your life is in the state because of the words that you speak. Your life is in the state because of the words of you, that you speak and you blame God. For he is not to blame, you are blame. You are to blame. God says that when we give thanks, we are blameless. We are blameless. But you are out of the will of God and you are out of His grace. And I can do nothing for you. But I want to pray for you tonight. That you make a decision once again to serve Jesus Christ. To fall, leave your offense. Leave, your, leave everything that has kept you back. I want you to leave your offense. doesn't matter if someone greets you or not greets you. Leave your offense. I promise you that Jesus, if you have seen him, you would have been offended. Because he said that he was the cornerstone by which everyone was offended. Everyone was offended. Now I don't want to come to church because they didn't act the way that I thought they should act. But you didn't employ them. 
They're running by heaven's agenda. Not by your agenda. 